One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Kave. Joining me today on a very special episode is a group of individuals I don't think you'll ever get on any other show. This group of guests that I'm having on now will never be assembled again. This is a one-time only thing. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I can get you guys all on together, but I doubt it'll happen on another show. So this is very exciting. Let's start with returning favorite, Dr. Tyler Black a psychiatrist. Tyler, how are you, buddy? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's so good to have you on, buddy. I always appreciate you when you come on. And then coming on for the first time, we have Stephanie Jansen, a podcaster, the show This Is What I'm Talking About, a science communicator, um, an all-around uh, mensch. I don't know if women can be that, but if they are, then you are. Thanks for coming on, Stephanie. Thanks for having me, Kaveh. And because we have someone sort of from the, the corporate world and we have someone from psychiatry, I was thinking we needed to have something a little different. So uh, I asked one of my favorite comedians, uh, Billy Wayne Davis, to come on. And I mean that I really appreciate you coming on. Nice to meet you. Oh, Billy thank Wayne. you. Yeah, of course. And I'm just I'm just I'm the dumb dumb here. So I'm not going to talk as much. This is this is like my ideal podcast to be on, if I'm being honest, where it's yeah. like. There's you're gonna, no pressure for me. You're going to be so disappointed when you like hear like a couple doctors talk and you, you're going to leave this being like, it's really not that hard. <laughs> no, I've already no, I have I have friends. I kept in touch with my friends I've found interesting throughout life. And a lot of them do. It's mostly people doing interesting things. And I know how boring they can be where you're just like, wow, it's. <laughs> It's like during the day you were really, it's exciting. And they're like, ah, it's, it's a lot of math. And you're yeah. Like, oh, okay. So. Yeah. I don't do math. I don't do math. Tyler, you might, cause you deal with kids, right? 
uh, I mean, it's fun. I, I love working with kids, but um, it it's interesting when you look at the larger view of how how you're doing a, a really helpful thing to someone over and over and over and it becomes your job and it, it you know, it, it's not as exciting as it sounds. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Billy Wayne's like, it doesn't even sound that exciting. <laughs> no, it does. I mean, I, I'm a big proponent for therapy for hey, not just unhealthy. I think healthy people should go. Um, it's kept my marriage and people are like, we all having problems. We're like, no. And it's because we go to therapy. You guys, it's like a, it's like that old Louis yeah. C.K. joke, not to, he wrote it, but I know it's, he's not a good, Sure. we get it you we know get but it. he yeah. did write the joke and it is the fact but it, he's talked <laughs> about when people when you get divorced and people are like i'm sorry and you're like no no happy people don't get divorced he's yeah. like it's good and i was like and i had a divorce i was like he's right he's right it's really weird people are like oh man you're like no <laughs> yeah yeah no i i i agree with you by the way i feel like everyone should be seeing some sort of counseling getting some sort of help regardless of like however healthy they think they are you know psychologically the same way they should see a doctor every year for like a check-in you know it's the same sort of thing really interestingly um psychiatrists are really encouraged to do therapy before they become psychiatrists um just not not you know because they specifically need it but you have to really understand yourself and what your motivations are and what you're about and what works for you and what doesn't um, and there's there's a big push to actually make it mandatory. Uh, of course, manda- mandating therapy has its own problems, but um, it's really encouraged. Well, okay, so we could talk about that, I'm sure, for hours. But that is not the reason I brought together this A-team to, to this uh, podcast. And I wanted to talk about toxic workplaces. I wanted to sort of maybe share some stories, if you guys are willing to share some stories. And then talk about what kind of effects it can have, you know, mentally and maybe even physically. And then, I don't know, maybe talk about some things that people can do other than just fucking quit. Uh, and I think it's important to talk about because it, it has a bigger effect, I think, on Americans and American health than we, we give a credit for. About one in five American workers have left the job due to some sort of toxic workplace culture. And that was before the great resignation. So I don't even know what's happening now. Say that stat again. One in five. One in in five Americans have left the job because they felt it to be too toxic. I mean. That seems low. Right. That's people who could leave. I mean, it doesn't say how many people are actually in toxic workplaces. I mean, I'm sure it's like that the number is incredibly high. Actually, I, I had a hard time finding like really good numbers on this. I saw in the UK about 64% of people felt that they had had some toxic workplace at some point in their life, been in a toxic workplace. I don't have great numbers about like where that is in the US, but I assume it is much higher. <laughs> and I assume that the, the number of people there leaving those jobs is, is much higher now too. Um, and, you know, I, I brought it up online, I brought it up on Twitter that we we're going to be talking about this. And I asked for people to, to share stories that they'd be willing. And I got a ton. I mean, I've never gotten so much listener response ever. I mean, there's so many different stories and we might get to some of them if we have time. What's actually interesting is I specifically heard from a lot of women and people of color. And then I would try to get them to come on and be like, well, do you want to come on the episode and talk? And they said, no, no, they're, they're, they felt their situation was already too tenuous. They felt that they were already going to be, they didn't want to in any way stand out and they didn't want their story to come back to them in any way. But I mean, I, I definitely saw it from that perspective. So 
there's a lot of stories out there, a lot of them. Um, so I, I guess let's just start with a, a basic question before we get into stories. I mean, Tyler, maybe I can start with you. How do you define a toxic workplace? I mean, to me, it's it's a, a workplace that's set up to oppress the people that work there. Um, and and it's it doesn't have to be set up intentionally, but the net result is that the people that work there are given undue pressure. Um, we all know that jobs come with pressure. If you're a firefighter, you must be scared, like it's scary to go into fires. But imagine having a, a workplace in which you know the the last person to be get there you know is is mocked or some way you know such that not only do you have to do everything necessary to be safe in a fire but you also don't want to be mocked so it's an it's an additional layer layer of oppression that you know comes extra to the job that doesn't need to be there um, jobs are hard enough without people you know setting it up that way and so uh, to me it's it's always just that you go into work and you just feel there is something pushing against you that's stopping you from doing the job you want to do or being the person you want to be. What do you guys think? Anything to add to that? No. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> I do. <laughs> he said good. <laughs> so this is really interesting. This is a top, this is a subject I'm actually um, pretty passionate <clears throat> about because there are different organizations that are set up in different ways for a variety of reasons. So let me give an example. Airlines traditionally have been set up in a very hierarchical way. And because of the way they're set up, it's actually one of the primary reasons for crashes, which is interesting. And here's why. If you have a hierarchy set up where the pilot and the co-pilot are almost untouchable and almost you can't communicate to them because they are the pilot and the co-pilot. But let's say if you're a flight attendant, you are noticing something that perhaps the pilot wouldn't that could create an issue, but you don't feel comfortable that you can actually walk up to the cockpit and address the pilot or the co-pilot. Similarly, the pilot and the co-pilot even have a hierarchy where if a co-pilot does not know that pilot well, because sometimes you just assigned a flight. And if you don't have an existing relationship where that co-pilot feels comfortable to tell the pilot, hey, you're veering off course or hey, we're dipping a little too low. Do you know that that's one of the primary reasons why crashes happen? It's because of things being set up in a way that Tyler, to your point, are kind of set up to fail. The airline industry is now looking at ways that they can change that because they're understanding more about why that happens. Enter toxic workplaces, which I had one, one time, and it was stunning. I find myself to be a pretty emotionally balanced person. I'm pretty good at sitting down and saying, hey, something's going on here. I, I, let me just offer you some feedback. It seems like you're having some hard times with me. I'm not sure why. Can we talk about it? I'm pretty good at sitting down and doing that. Well, this, this was never going to produce good results. And I tried. I literally Ted lassoed my way through this entire situation and nothing helped. As a matter of fact, the kinder that I was and the more understanding and asking questions, the worse it got. And I would feel myself having a response that was making me actually sick. And then yeah. I was starting to get sick, physically ill. I had more colds. I got the flu. I think businesses, companies are going to have to start to really look at how are we empowering people to lead? And by the way, if you're in the C-suite, do you even know how to lead? Well, uh, first of all, just real quick, what's a, what's a C-suite? I don't, what is that? I'm assuming that's like where the bosses are. So your C-suite would be your chief executive officer, chief product officer, chief people officer, chief, chief, oh. chief. So these are people that actually certainly one, publicly traded companies have fiduciary oh. responsibility. One thing about medicine that's great is I never have to learn terms like that. <laughs> okay. These fucking business terms. Okay. Um, so 
that I want to hear a little bit more about stories. But before we move on from it, just real quick, I, I tried to look up some definitions of, you know, what people have described as toxic workplaces. And, and uh, we all think it's pretty obvious in certain situations, if you have this like stereotypically bad boss, who's just yelling at people and demeaning employees, and that's pretty obvious, but toxic workplace culture can be a lot more subtle than that. It can just be microaggressions, workplace silos, where everyone breaks into different groups, and there's no room for connection or collaboration. And and every job, as Tyler said, can have its own stresses, but this is on top of that. It's a dysfunctional organizational norm. Um, and so there's a couple of things that the HRPA, the Human Resources Professional Associations, cites as, as uh, signs of a place with high uh, workplace toxicity. Increased turnover, low morale amongst employees, pretty obvious, poor communication, harassment, bullying, and abuse, regular fighting, discriminatory attitude gossips and clicks, lack of respect, retaliation for raising concerns and manipulation. <laughs> so these are all probably pretty common He's stuff. Name in every workplace. <laughs> to some degree, right? Every workplace can be like that, but we've all been in a, maybe it's like porn where it's like you know it when you see it. You know, I, I don't know, Tyler, <laughs> do you have do you have any experience, Tyler or or Billy, do you have any experiences with toxic workplaces yourself you'd be willing to share? I mean, the only ones that like real toxic workplace that comes to mind or any any serving job i had i mean there were some that were like it all depended on the restaurant's culture uh and anyone that serves tables or ever had to do restaurant knows what i'm talking about where if you've worked at more than two you're like oh so everyone has this other thing going on and some of them were nice you know, where I found that if people were there to make money, that was it. But like, you know, that if you worked at like a more of like a bar type restaurant, most people were there to party in this weird way. Yeah. And that was those were always like very toxic. That's and funny. Then, That's interesting. Why, why is that? Like, why is the more like party environment, the more toxic environment? Because it's not, it doesn't start when work is over. It starts, it's just kind of, there's like a vague, never-ending party happening in those kind of cultures where it's like, it can be fun, but it's also very toxic and, and like it's... it's like literally your, to your liver from all the drinking, you mean? Like it can be like a really... Yeah, in your pocket, like... And the money's just going right back into the like you're not really you're like a stagnant human being kind mm. of too and it's like that was the, but they're easy those jobs are easy to get and easy to walk like that's why i thought that number was low because i've quit so many jobs but i've also had this other thing going on which helped helped me be able to be like all right this was all these were temporary to begin with so I, you know, I've never been in really stuck in a situation where I was like, this sucks. But, you know, well, that's, I mean, in comedy, I've had to, <laughs> I mean, you know, you get, you have to work with certain people, certain weeks, and you're like, this is toxic. This is not. You mean like other comedians? Yeah, for sure. Is it, is it like people who are, let me ask you, is it like people who I'm are not big stars? Names, no, no, I'm not I'm still I, in I this you. business. No, I, I hear you. I hear you. But <laughs> is it people who are actually big stars or is it just people who think they're big stars that that seem to be the worst? 
Well, the thing about fame is, and I heard this early on, and it's one of the it's one of the truer things you hear is like the only way it's like <clears throat> I'm not speaking out of turn. This is just a good example. Uh, like it doesn't change who you are. It just changes the amount and the whatever like exaggerated amount. Mm-hmm. Like, really, is it like money? It's like it doesn't make you different. It just makes you more of who you are. It yes, gives you like, the power to just become more of who you already were. Like Drew Carey before, and this is not, I'm not speaking out of turn. So before he was rich and famous, he liked beer and strippers. And now he's rich and famous. I don't think he drinks as much because it's bad for you. But I think he does a lot of hallucinogens and strippers, you know, and like those type of like, but the quality has went up. (laughs) So it's like, that makes sense to me. Yeah, that's what. And so it's usually not the like what kind of level of star. It's just what type of person they are, no matter what level. They're Mm -hmm. always you see younger comics. You're like, man, you're already awful. That is not. Yeah, Yeah, not going to change. So yeah, I I can't say, you know, going through medical school that there was any hierarchies or hardships whatsoever. You know, oh, that's sarcasm, Billy. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I was going to say it's. Honestly, I I can going through medical school and I don't know if this is true anymore. It might not be, but I I, I felt so much like what's described of what you have to do to a soldier to get them to kill people. You dehumanize them first. You train them to do the most awful things. And then you, you build them back up into people who are supposed to have lots of empathy and all these. I remember 36 hour shifts. I remember um, being paged back by my chief resident to get him coffee in the middle of the night because he could, um, you know, I remember, uh, being sent in to see a patient, uh, to get a history from a family and them not telling me that the patient had died and doing that intentionally just to, you know, mess with me. Yeah. And, um, this is on the back of me trying to learn medicine, you know, and, um, uh, you know, we, we go into our jobs, you know, I wanted to be, a. I watched ER. I saw Peter Benton do the fist bump when I was 13 years old and I wanted to be a surgeon, but I tell you, it took me three weeks on a surgical rotation to realize that I would never want to be a surgeon. The workplace is way too toxic. Um, and, and off I was, and I was done with that. Um, I actually had to, um, I still, I still have a vivid memory of my, my supervisor's tattoo of a naked lady. And when he wore his scrubs, you just saw the bottom half of her legs and her vagina. Like that's all you saw. <laughs> and like, this is, these are the people that I worked with. And, and it was so toxic that um, uh, it, there came a point where I really considered, I don't think I want to be a doctor. I've been, I went through undergrad. I went through medical school. I'm now in my clerkship you know what? I think I'm going to walk away from this. Um, but I'm, I'm really lucky. I had a great supervisor in psychiatry who said, Hey, no matter what you do, if you're compatible with psychiatry, do psychiatry. It's a really good lifestyle. People are friendly. You'll love your job. Um, and, and as soon as I kind of had this huge wound in emergency, I retreated and I started to do electives in psychiatry. And I realized that yes, when there isn't as much of a toxic workplace and people actually care about emotions and feelings and work hours are reasonable and these types of things, you can like this job. So uh, yeah, it's, it's um, I still worry about, about the impacts of that. It's uh, 
it's not i hear from a lot of medical students because of the show and a lot of pre-meds too but a lot of medical students and i don't think it's changed dramatically there are some things that are have a, improved a little bit um just with younger people and millennials like they just speak truth to power a little bit more than than you know gen xers and baby boomers did so there are changes that are happening but it's still still pretty bad i mean it, it yeah medicine it can be one of the most awful places to be I mean, I started my training before there was 80 hour work restrictions. And so you'd be working over 80 hours a week, but that wasn't even the worst part of it. Can I ask a, <clears throat> yeah. yeah, go ahead. Listen, I, I don't require a lot of, I mean, there is a lot of the travel is not a, ideal for what we do. So that part is stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but why the fuck? <laughs> Do y'all stay up? Like my friend, like a good friend of mine's a Green Beret. He was a Green Beret. And he has that same, he's like, he's like the special forces community is the same way where it's like all this anti-sleep shit. And I was like, that the worst besides alcohol, the worst decisions oh, yeah. I've ever made were from not sleeping right. Oh, Kave, for sure. Kave, what's your what's your record for hours worked in a week as as a trainee? Because um, I'm just curious. I honestly can't tell you, but it was over 80 hours. Yeah. My, mine was, I mean, I, I stopped, I stopped counting after 80 hours. There's 166 in a week. Was that in a surgery rotation? It had yeah. to be like neurosurgery yeah. or something. It was um, surgery. No, you're, you're Billy. I, well, I don't no, know. What? No, Listen. like you're cutting motherfuckers brains open. Yeah. And they're like, well, yeah, I was holding a retractor. Like, I was holding a retractor like, standing it, there for seven hours. So it, Billy, it's not great. <laughs> I'm not defending it. No, tell you this is and and there are people who will say, look, when you are out in the real world, it's not any easier. And there's some truth to that. Like I, I will be on call for a week and and I can be called into the hospital any time of the night or the day. And I have to be ready to go the next day. That being said, I'm not saying that's a great system either. But but there are people who will say you need to be prepared for that. Um, and maybe there's just not enough manpower to do it. There's a lot of reasons people give, to be honest with you, it's changing. We have better restrictions. There are things that are changing, but it's hard still. And there's still a lot of pretty unreasonable expectations on, on people in medicine. But, but my point is actually, I'll be honest with you. That wasn't even the worst part. It wasn't even the hours. And cause you do to some degree, learn how to deal with it. It's never great. Of course. No, there's a lot, like you have to, all of you talk about that. Like, yeah. But I'm just a, I don't understand why you have to do it that way. That's there's there's a lot of people in medicine asking the same question and have been for a long time. And there's a lot of different excuses given. <laughs> but you guys are the doctors. It's just the tell way the it was. people. Honestly, the, the biggest that you're the doctors. So yeah, the but we don't have a medical school. I don't have a medical school. Yeah. I don't have a residency. I mean, pe- people that do teaching and training, we're we're pretty conscious of that now, and we we try to give people breaks and we try to be better about. It. I think for the most part, I, I can't speak for everyone, but some of us that are in positions of teaching, like I am, we're very mindful of that. You know, we try to keep people uh, too late. Um, but there is also a lot of shit that people need to learn. <laughs> there's a lot of, and there's more shit now than there was when Tyler and I were in medical school. There's like every year, the book that kids have to study to like get through medical school gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger because there's more shit that needs to be learned. And it's, so it's, it's a problem, but trust me, we're, we agree with you. That's a whole, there's, we've done episodes on it. We will, again, it'll be a whole thing. 
I, Listen, I and I will not have any solutions. I will only have <laughs> questions and point out problems. So do not like I understand what I'm doing. I don't think that I'm be like, we need to fix this. I'm be like, hey, no, I'm putting just, you that putting you in bad. charge. We are putting you you're on the committee now to fix I would, this shit. Things are gonna be changing. Things are would, changing. They some of the cooler, I'm not against the book getting bigger. I think that's yeah, a good idea. That's a good <laughs> one of the cooler one of the cooler interventions that you know we're I'm I'm the Canadian here, so I feel like I'm I'm probably the one that le- don't say least that cares about, about yourself. That's my not, uh, least cares about my that. rights um, because I it, it, there there's a big American streak of kind of like don't touch my freedoms. But I think this is a place where government can actually do something. Like there are there are states and there are provinces where they actually say. Hey doctors, you're not you're no longer un, you're you're no longer insured after 75 hours of work. And yeah. guess what happens? They all go home. Yeah. Uh, and and really, does do any patients want to be operated on by someone who's been working that long? Um, and and I think that's where my thing and, is coming from. Yeah. Is, yeah. <laughs> and so it does. Like I do think there there's always a role when it's not self corrected for government to step in. And and I do think workplace. I, I'm I'm. I have to say, I'm always astounded whenever I see American vacation stats. Um, I think the average American who works takes eight vacation days or seven vacation days. Like, I'm sorry, in, in Canada, that's <laughs> that's awful. Like, we this we, is we like the four, second four in the show where Tyler comes on and just fucking tells us how bad it year. is in the United States. This is a recurring I mean, thing. Like, we know it Tyler, is, we know. Tyler. We know, <laughs> Tyler. We know. So, uh, I went on vacation for think the of, first time I can of, remember in the first yeah, day yeah. because I travel. I was trying to, I couldn't figure out I had anxiety. Yeah. I couldn't figure out why <laughs> on the first day of vacation that I had anxiety. And it's because every time I travel, I go to work. So the first day I'm somewhere, I have to, I have to know yeah. where my job is that night, wherever the yeah. venue is. Yeah. Or it makes me feel crazy. And then, my wife was like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, I don't know, but oh, we no. need to go somewhere now <laughs> and find it. And it it like, took me the next what? day. And she was like, I was like, you know what it was? I'm not used to not having a, and that's so funny. I was like, it's, it's a vacation. Yeah. And then by the end of it, I was like, we should do this all the time. This is, <laughs> this is how we should live. This is, this is people know about Yeah. It is. <laughs> And then so, you talk to the rest of the world and like, yeah, we live like that. Yeah, that's, that's a good way are... to live. Yeah, that's a good way to live. Um, okay, so let, let, getting back a little bit to uh, the, the toxic workplace and less about the general inequities and bullshit of the United States. Can, I think that does have something to do with the toxic. For sure. If you could oh, go to a vacation. Absolutely. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, I mean, we've all been in talks. I've been in toxic workplaces. I, I mean, not just in medical training, but outside of medical training. And, and in my impression of how workplaces work, it really is a bit of a cliche, but I think it's true. It's from the top down. And whatever the leadership does, I think that that sort of comes down. And I don't know, maybe I'm wrong about that. Like, maybe you guys could tell me of a situation where you think it's not the boss. I just that like, the question is, how, how does change happen in those situations because it's like the the change has to be from the top down it can't be from the middle out or the bottom up you know it's 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 different like in a lot of social movements it starts from like the bottom up and the grassroots and the build and build and build but that's from people that are like working outside of the system when you're in a system that's toxic 
how can you fix it? Because you have to start at the top, right? Am I wrong about that? No. <clears throat> no, because if the top says this behavior is so unacceptable that you will be gone, but also I'm going to empower you with training and tools to be a good leader and a good manager. So I will empower you. You will be held accountable. And if this bullshit continues, you're out. Of course, it's the top down. By the way, people use Ted Lasso. I'm hooked, y'all. I'm so hooked. I get it. He's he's nice. He's nice. I get it. So hooked. But guess what? Let's just take that as an example. People talk about leadership, leadership, but he changed it. Well, here's why. Ted Lasso had direct ongoing contact with the boss. So he changed her while he changed the culture. You are right. And it is a scripted show. Yes. Anyway, so, you are not, this is not an assistive conversation for this purpose. So just hold it up for one second. Is, no, that is not, Billy, that is not a great you're, metaphor. You're bringing us down. I'm just going like, to, I your understand. To I'm not, I'm not being negative. I'm oh, being I've, real, which is not, okay, but that is like, a neutral. That is okay, a neutral. Billy, Billy, I feel like just hang in there with me. I'm not quite done. Hang okay. in there with me. Okay, I just me. want to point out, though, that that's also, why have, that works. Also, I have a propensity. It's, like, it's not a good I, metaphor. I have a propensity to adopt the um, language and or the accent of the person I'm talking to. So if you know, no, and I'm hey, that is, if you think accent, that, that you're the first person that's okay, talking Southern okay. back to me, you are, yeah, also, it is. I have a lot of Southern in me, and I, don't, I haven't figured that out yet. 23 in me is not that sophisticated yet, but I'm going to figure it out. Here's the problem. Not how genetics work, but yeah. Ted Lasso had direct contact an ongoing close relationship with the owner of the team and while he was because remember she hired him to crash the team but what happened is he had direct ongoing influence and access to her every day and so while he was doing what he was doing to change the culture amongst the team he was also doing it with her but if that change maker in the organization which typically does not have direct ongoing contact with the person who is setting the culture and the intention of the organization. You're fucked. It has to be top down because the top is the one that makes this decision. I'm either going to allow this to continue or I'm going to say, this is not how this organization is going to look. It's not working. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a cliche that shit rolls downhill, but I mean, it's like you, you can't, there's nothing you can do when the leadership condones or turns a blind eye to toxicity and, and your options are leave or put up with it or become toxic yourself. I mean, it, it, it forces you into that role. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think whistleblowing, you know, so important, um, anonymous complaints, so important, all these types of things. And, and, you know, there's always the person that goes on the other side of that and says, those things can be weaponized. I promise you the problem is not that that thing's going to be weaponized. The problem is that there's not enough people making anonymous reports. It, it, we can get to the problem when we have so many anonymous reports that some of them are false and some of them are true. But let's get to the point where you can actually make an anonymous report first. So yeah. uh, there's a lot of pre-bottle of that sort of system where there's a lot of that, you know, oh, if if people can make anonymous reports, then, you know, you know people will be harassed or whatnot. It's like, um, they're already being harassed, so... Do you have any insight? You you brought up something I think that is really interesting, which goes back to sort of the whistleblower filing complaints. I have found in organizations that um, are experiencing this type of workplace that there is a fear that they don't really trust these are anonymous. 
Because in fact, if you don't have faith in the leadership or the organization and you see that whether the leader is just complicit as a result of not doing anything about it, how much do you think that that plays into it? Which is sort of- I think it has to do with the culture. Because if if the goal is to actually find out, like I'm a leader and I actually care what's happening to the people that work for me or to the people that I work with, um, I actually want to know the whistleblower information, but I do think a lot of organizations, they set up whistleblowing, they set up complaints arms, but it honestly goes into the trash bin or is not respected. Um, We've heard of like literal complaint processes in which the CEOs of companies mock the complaints as they come in or post them amongst themselves and share them and, and laugh at them. <laughs> that's yeah, they, true. That, that, I mean, that, I don't, that culture. I'm laughing because yeah. that's very believable thing yeah. about the certain culture. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's like, do you signpost that you're someone who cares about equity and diversity? And this is something you're doing to sell a few more cans of beverage. Or is it something exactly. that your culture actually believes? We want diversity. We want people to like to work here. We don't want people, like, it, it's a question of values. And I, I can't imagine how the average worker instills values in an employer unless they unionize and then they can force it. Well, we have weekdays and weekends because of unions. Well, my, that's my question to the to the doctor of psychiatry is the psychology of American business is profits over everything else. And it's a, and I, yeah, I forget the guy who wrote that theory, the economic theory, but they all adopted it mm-hmm. is that profits from, but I think that's where that more than that psychology and that, that philosophy for, I guess is the right word is is driving most toxic cultures because like i have i know a couple of friends just because i travel i've done it for so much for so long and i like people so i just collect them as you know um real creepy sounding billy I, well it's i gotta get a farm my wife is <laughs> that got creepy yeah you know well it you was collect okay them. before that but if you want a people jay leno's like... got a he's got a he's got a hanger out here i just need a farm. <laughs> not full of people though it's full of cars well you don't okay. know we don't know what we don't know that okay, i could fair. totally see it being full of people that's I could, it's I'll just strange that. celebrities we forgot about he just that's milled fair. around <laughs> he's got them dressed in denim they're Kate all kaylin just walking around i actually i've met him he's great uh i bet it's and i think if, if you live in los angeles eventually you have to meet him or you get like, <laughs> you're out of the la club he is delightful though like me i told my wife afterwards i was like i see why he lived in someone's back house so yeah i was like he's right. really great <laughs> um i could see i just said i was like i get why he's dead just to make double yeah. sense what you We'd mean have him in like, our yeah. Back. yeah he's great yeah if he's around bring him over he's fun um <laughs> I don't know where I was going. Oh, it was the the talk. It's the at it's we have to make money at all costs, and to get to that echelon of these places we're talking about, to get to the top, you've got to be a borderline psychopath. Yeah, to get to a lot of it, yeah. and then once you get that's like so, it just goes down. Right. Really good. I remember when I really realized I worked <laughs> when I was when you start out doing stand up, and then when you start doing it professionally, you just don't make much money for a long time. And I was young enough that it was perfect for me because I didn't need much. 
So I also was smart enough to put those two things together as like, I don't need things. I don't have to, I can just do the thing. But every now and then you'd need money because stuff would dry out. And I did a temp work at Dale Computers outside of Nashville. And uh, it was a factory. And I, the guy that told me about it was like, this is so funny. He's like, it's, he's like, I got a job today. And I was like, cool. I was like, do they drug test? Cause I smoke, I, I still do. I like cannabis, but at the time I was, who knows what was going in there. Um, and he said, no, I was like, cool. So I literally got stoned before I went to the interview and then I did great on, you know, cause they're just seeing if you're alive and they're like, sure. Hey, and I was like, yeah, I'm a, person and here's all my stuff and then they're like all right now pee in this cup and i was like oh wow this is fascinating <laughs> but most people i think i've talked to said they would have just left they would have been like oh no and i was like well i wouldn't just see what was yeah. like for sure i'm gonna I, I was like well i'm not getting this job but i do have something to talk about on stage now this is <laughs> Let's see what that was literally my thinking. Yeah. Wait, but was and it then the late... or was it okay? What? What's that? Your the workplace. I don't think he got it. Okay. I, oh I no, I did. She no, was he like, did get it tomorrow. No, he said he got it. So then that. So then yeah. you said now you have content. So like, was it to- Was it? Did you have content because it was toxic? Even though, like... no, it just made me realize oh. like that they they don't care about workers at all. Like oh, I was part of it. this okay. thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, like. She didn't care. Like, I don't even know if she even looked at the results mm-hmm. of the thing. Got she it. just said, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. You start tomorrow. And I said, really? <laughs> like, that was my response because I was. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Cuz I was like I said I was stoned at that moment. I just wanted to point out that the shirt you're wearing reads grass. Um, it's bluegrass, though. Oh, yeah, yeah and it is bluegrass, you, but I just... You hippie. But yeah, however, no, you're, however... You're exactly right. Why Wait, r- real quick, Tyler. Tyler, is there... Um, I feel like there is. Is there truth to that statement, uh, which we all sort of, I think, empirically believe that people on the top tend to have more sociopathic Absolutely. tendencies? Yeah. No, it, it, the, the, the classic sort of you know, completely conventional financial success model in a capitalistic environment rewards psychopathy. 
the less you care about workers, the less you like you should be able to walk in and tell an unproductive worker who has three kids and their one of their kids is going through a thing and their wife is having a problem medically. You should be able to tell that person you're fired without any hesitation because it's in the best interest of the capitalistic dollar. And of course, there's people firing is is hard. I don't know if any of you have been in the position of firing somebody. I've been in that position a couple of times. It sucks. I, I think after the first time I fired someone, I cried. Um, but imagine being a psychopath and someone else's emotions are completely bizarre and detached to you. There's a great line. I um, can't. And I try it all the time. <laughs> There's a great line. I don't know if people have read the, the psychopath test with John Ronson, but it's yeah. a great public, no, like it's a, it's a popular novel, but it, uh, or, you know, a story about psychopaths. And, and it, he goes through this whole thing with um, with looking at it in corporate culture. But there's this great scene where this guy's firing a whole bunch of people. He, they bring him in. His whole job is to fire them. This guy comes in. He's been working there for 27 years. They're letting him go. And he starts crying. And, and you know, John Ronson interviews the guy that did the firing. And the guy says, you know, like the, the one thing I couldn't understand is why he was crying. He had 27 good years of work. Like he, he was just a psychopath. He didn't even didn't even bother him that he was firing the guy. So of course that's going to be really successful, which is why a corporate culture that isn't all about capitalism or the shareholder or those types of things, it'll be harder to be a psychopath in those places. It's so easy when all you have to do is earn money. It's really easy to be a psychopath in those situations. But y'all guess what's going to be changing now? So this whole great resignation thing, I mean, for the first time, employees outside of unions are in a position of power. There are a lot of really talented people out there right now that have said F you to their former employer that are available. And there are a lot of companies hiring. And I think with this sort of great reshuffle, there are more people now that are asking better questions before they say yes to a position, right? Like you say that your culture is this, or you won this award for like the best workplace. How come, what does that look like? I think people are asking better questions. And I think there's going to be a level now of accountability because guess what? That balance sheet for publicly traded companies in terms of how you're going to show those profits, we're truly being balanced on the back of the people that were working in these horrible environments. So now I think that for the first time, I think historically outside of union organization and kind of that reshuffle, I think that companies that realize that they need to be in this for the long haul are going to have to change the way they're doing business because they've finally seen for the first time that millions of people are willing to say deuces and they're out. I I think it's going to be forced. I I hope you're right. I mean, I'm trying to remain optimistic and look for a a silver lining. I I will say this There's a couple of things. One, there are some cases, these high profile sort of really toxic, noxious companies where the, the workplace seems to be changing a little bit like in November of this year, Activision, the video game mm-hmm. company, or Activision, Activision Blizzard, Blizzard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, their employees staged a walkout after just ongoing reports that their chief executive had been aware of harassment and done nothing about it. And then the state of California it sort of led to a lawsuit uh, for this sort of frat boy culture that was there. And um, I think they even went to pay as well for unequal pay and back pay. So there, there are some cases of it. I also kind of like I mentioned before, I, I feel like, you know, Gen X and, and boomers are just sort of like just doing stuff. I feel like there's a potential for change with millennials and, and people who are speaking out a lot more, at least in terms of medicine. I've never seen such a, a vocal like uh, youth 
brigade come out against some of the really toxic parts of medical culture as as I have recently on Twitter. So, I mean, I think there really is some, I don't know, maybe I'm being optimistic. I don't know. I feel like there's some potential for change. No, I think that it has to happen. And I think being the comedian on this episode and not being the funniest person is weird. But also, I think there's change about to happen just from a capital standpoint where there's like enough a large percentage of us for a lot for the first time in a long time don't have the access to capital and a very tiny percentage has it and just historically when that happens there's going to be some some fan some shit hitting the fan for a while for sure uh, but the change will happen or they they won't have workers so yeah. they can't it's they're going to outgreed themselves so and you know i what, think politically what needs to happen not to make it political but this is part of why all this exists it is right is no one in washington besides a handful of people actually represents the people anymore it's all profits and mm -hmm. and then that was because of the supreme court decisions it's united because they don't have to they legalize corruption is what they did um and you we can argue the fucking nuances of that all all day but that that is the fact of the matter and until we fix that our country isn't about the people it's about profits and every workplace is gonna be toxic mm -hmm. even at the best in the yeah. best situation like that's the more we talk about this the more i keep thinking about like what's the best job i've ever had and it's <clears throat> i can't I mean, I can think of it. it's uh, I do voices for a cartoon, but that's not a real job. Do you know what I mean? Where I just a cool pop job, in. It that's is, a cool job, though. Cool job. It's the silliest way and the best way I've ever made money. And yes, uh, <laughs> every time I go, I it's like I, it's the only time I'm very religious is when I write before I'm like, thank you for whatever I did to make this happen. Because uh, it's so fun. It is very fun to just make fun. I'm just making fun of the people I went to dug her up with. It's the best. <laughs> That's awesome. Wait, wait, what? Wait, there's real. Go ahead. Sorry, which what what cartoon? Oh, Squidbillies. You're Squid. A... You're on Squidbillies. Yeah, I've been I've been a voice on that for a couple, three or four seasons, I guess. Yeah. Oh, that blows my mind. I love that show. Okay, sorry, I I totally interrupted. That's that funny. You didn't know that. I did, I did not know that. I listened to his stand up. I didn't know he did voice. And I'm not a I'm not a self promoting kind of. No, I guess not. Uh, I'm not. <laughs> it's not good in my business. To I was be gonna bad say that's that. actually it not is, a good quality. Seems like it's sort of a hallmark a, of your business. It is it like being a hillbilly. It's like beat into you to be kind of you, you're not yeah. supposed to brag or anything. And then I went into a business where they're like, you should brag, and you're like, I feel mm, unnatural. About that. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make me. I'm not allowed to. Um, but that's that toxic. Any like. I've worked on like I've worked on like every part of a TV show, like from my whole because I also love how the stuff works. So I like to understand like even in a restaurant, I worked in every part of the restaurant. I was interested in all that. Yeah. Um and those can be very <coughs> excuse me, insanely toxic. The one that keeps popping into my head is I walked off in the middle, like where I was just like I quit in the middle of the street on this production 
where it was pure power move this lady was just like no you're gonna have to do this and i was like oh i'm just not gonna do that <laughs> and that's boss you just walk you're like i'm done i'm out oh i it was yeah i was just like oh i and she was like well she just and you could tell this was not in any of her she this didn't the playbook didn't plan. include no i won't do that right it was, she's like what it was that? so confusing to her that i was just calmly like oh no i'm not gonna that's i i know how much i make and i just can't this is makes no sense and it, this is a clear power thing and not for this much money there's just not and uh but so that means there was enough money to, for you to say yes though it just wasn't enough at that point because i'm gonna say that for reals i would there's enough money for me to do all kinds of crazy stuff i'm just saying oh it i'm a stand-up comedian like, so it is there is like i went to dubai i've done and this is before i that now i say like you know i went to the middle east but not to the military so I got to see different parts of the Middle East and it is and people were like, are you going to go back? And I was like, I mean, I never say never because they have so much money over there, <laughs> but I'm not, they, they're going to have to pay me so much more than what they did the last time because yeah. it's not a good place. Well, okay, but, listen, hey, well, there's parts of the Middle East that are there. We could, that's a whole other thing we could go into, I, my friend. Here's not a good place either. If, <laughs> yeah. if you want me to we, clarify, oh, you're stuck here. You're stuck so, here. I, I'm just saying, honestly, before this becomes a thing about the Middle East, and I, I get weird I like about both it. places and they both have their things. They, they both are fucked up. Trust me. I, being someone <laughs> who's Middle Eastern and American, what, when they say I, the West, yeah. they just mean capitalism. It's all they mean. Uh, let's. Let's get real. Just let's go back to touch on something I, I said we were going to talk about. And then I kind of forgot about, which is like we should talk about the actual effects that a bad workplace can have. We kind of alluded to it. We talked about mental health, burnout, organizational fallout. Um, there's also actual physical effects that can happen. I don't know. I worked in a place that was um, toxic and I was chronically fatigued when I was there. There's no amount of sleep I got that was enough. I needed naps during lunch. I was just so constantly. And I think it comes down to that stress you guys are talking about. But, you know, I, I couldn't really find a lot of great hard data about it. Um, I'm going to keep looking for it. If I find it, I'm going to share it with people. But I have to believe it's there. And if nothing else, it stays with you mentally, even when you leave the place. Like I, there's still parts of me that are like a little bit of PTSD. Like I had a boss that was, you know, these people that get in your face when they tell a joke and they want you to laugh really hard. Like it's like almost like laugh molestation. They want to elicit a laugh out of you and you have to like laugh. <laughs> That's funny. Like to this day, I am like really sensitive to any fake laughter. So if I'm teaching medical students and I like tell a joke and they laugh, I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> don't you fucking do that. Give me your sympathy laugh. Like I'm like so sensitive to it now. Like wow, that might be like, a toxic workplace. Kind of the same. Well, wow. I might I might be toxic now. <laughs> that's that's what happened. But um, I I do feel that shit stays with you for a long time, and I, I feel like it's hard to leave past that. Like I don't know, Tyler. Any recommendations on on when people leave a toxic workplace? How to fucking? There's a couple of leave. things that you really touched on that I'd love more people to know about. The first is when your body is under a tremendous amount of psychological distress and make no mistake about it like a toxic workplace is psychological 
assault. It's, it's, it's draining. You're always wondering about what's coming next. You, you know that it's not going to be good the next day. When you go home, you could be playing with your kids, but you know that tomorrow you're going to go back into, you know, the shithole and do the shit stuff again. So, so it's, it's a psychological drain. Whenever our bodies can't express that or get it out, it comes out in physical symptoms. People get real sick, and I'm talking paralysis level sick from, you know, conversion disorder, somatization disorders. These are actually full on distress causing literal symptoms. I'm not talking about they're, they're acting like they can't move their legs. I'm talking about you put the reflex hammer and there's, there's just nobody home. Their legs are gone. Uh, this, this is, you know, kids at a very early age develop convenient stomach aches right before school because they're being bullied at school or they're having a hard time in academics. Our bodies will often tell us before we're aware how stressed we are. And if we just did a scan every now and then I'm tense every day, why do I feel this way? Or my, I'm sorry to, you know, this is going to be the doctorist moment I do, but my bowel habits have really changed here. Um, you know, your body will tell you when you're under stress, if you're listening to your body. And so uh, it's a really good metric for, are you in a place that you enjoy or not is, is um, whatever your health level was, if you're someone with a disability or already has chronic illness, is this worse now? If you're someone who previously was healthy, am I now sick all the time? Um, if you're someone who has knee, nursing a knee injury, am I not able to do anything now because my knee's hurting so much? Your body will actually translate this for you if you're listening. Yeah, no, uh, that is brilliant. Yeah, thanks. And I think it's hard for us to do that. We don't take good surveys of ourselves. We're not good about being in touch with ourselves. I mean, I, you know, I, I started trying to do meditation the last couple of years and that's a big part of it is like, you know, taking surveys as you go down when you yeah. do like from head to, to toe, when you're doing those things, it is not natural for me. It, yeah. And I assume that's the case for a lot of Americans. I would say like meditation is the way that a lot of health organizations and mental health people have kind of, they've brought in Eastern philosophies to try and spice up what is really a basic concept, concept, relax more take more time off, take a break. There is no evidence whatsoever that guided meditation is better than, you know, (laughs) playing a video game for two hours. If you're enjoying that video game, like there's no difference between the two. Um, But so, so a lot of people find meditation frustrating because it's not who they are. And I would, I would take those people and I'd say, you know, there's other ways to relax too. Meditation is just a good package for some people to relax. Sure, It's a good package for some people to take a peaceful moment and think about where they are right now and not think about the past and think about the forward. But you can also do that when you're watching a really good Netflix series and you're not thinking about the past, you're not thinking about forward, you're in the present moment watching a Netflix series. So there's nothing mystical about meditation. Although Billy said it, I think really well, which is like the one thing about meditation that has really worked for me is making me focus on my breathing. Like I, I, I didn't realize until I started trying to do it where I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm getting like weird air trapping just because I'm like yeah. nervous. I'm taking shallow breaths. I'm not like thinking about like the breathing I'm doing. I think that there is yeah. something to that, you know. There well, is. it's one of my favorite like places on the planet is Humboldt County, not for the grass reason. I mean, that is part <laughs> of it, but that's what led me there. But then I found out it's a very special the redwoods are there. <clears throat> There's yeah. a lot of old growth. And so I've brought people that I I'm close to. I want to show them this special place. And it's funny, they, they, it's overwhelming. 
to them because all these trees and they're big and then they feel like hot and they're like this is magical and then i will slowly point out i was like you're also breathing like pure oxygen for the yeah. first time in a long time yeah. so that's part of like you're supposed to feel good and we forget all that because we're trapped in these places and we don't go to we don't slow down because all these things that truly are made up yeah. we are letting press down in these and these and i think that like you said the different forms of meditation i like to drive which is a convenient part of my existence and that's meditative to me like you guys are talking about earlier like the longest you've stayed up and i was like oh i've co comedians have that kind of brag we're like what's the longest you've ever driven straight and i was mm -hmm. it's always like around 24 to 30 hours everyone's like and then what happened like, then you got to pull over because she gets weird like it does it does get weird <laughs> and then you can take a nap for like 45 minutes and then pop back up and drive like because it's like we know these weird things and you're like why do you know these like because i had to go make 200 dollars 40 hours away that's why okay yeah you you guys have a good job but it is it's not without its fucking challenges it's uh, the same as your medical. It's like the first 10 years yeah. are a god awful nightmare. But if you're young, it's kind of fun <laughs> and you'd be yeah. doing some dumb stuff anyway, like yeah. that. But you know and, what the blend of that is? It's when you have to travel far to perform, to your point, for just shit money. When I was in a band, we had, I remember we did a couple gigs in Vegas. P.S. driving to Las Vegas from the Sacramento area brutal yeah brutal because you're like oh my god we're gonna play in vegas and it's the coolest thing ever and when you're playing i mean kave isn't a well like kave i haven't been in a band in years but absolute nirvana but the drive was you so were nirvana no, kave <laughs> oh that would have been awesome <laughs> this explains her fast not well even, not even but okay i have a question i have a question so with all this incredibly shitty news which is toxic workplaces i do think that there are amazing thing. So I'm just going to throw this out there. Kavi, I'm not taking over your show. I'm just going to say something over the question. How about it? I feel like here's what I did with that toxic environment thing. <clears throat> when I left, I promised myself I would never, ever again. A single mom, I had to do what I had to do. But even then, I promised I will never put myself in another situation. Even if I feel desperate, I will never say yes to something where I have all the signs at the beginning that I'm literally like, you are going to make me sick. Cause that's what happened. Literally. I got sick over and over again. And so there are key indicators that I think that you can check for, right? Word of mouth sometimes is part of it. High, high, high turnover. PS. There was so much high turnover. Mm -hmm. It was just like, blink, blink. it was just a red alert. Mm -hmm. Um, so the reputation of that person in the community, if you can figure that part out, how's the turnover, people that are currently there, if you can get any check glass door, sometimes there are these sites where employees can come on and say, it's a little hard, it's a little bit like Yelp for restaurants, you know what I mean, where people come on and they talk shit just because there's a place to talk shit, where rarely do people spend the time to say, I had a wonderful experience. Like people don't often get yeah. motivated by it's all good, they get motivated by it's bad. But do your due diligence and do look at that because the good news for people today, as we are doing this wonderful podcast by Kaveh Hoda, 
is that it is an employee environment. Employers are having to, whether they wanted to or not, get more aware of what are they doing and what does that look like and how can I create a competitive environment to attract and retain great talent. So I think that right now, at least, I do think there's a little bit of an awareness that like, guess what? Future employees have got a little bit more power than they have before. And you may want to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Oh, well, nicely done. I, I, I agree. And I think that smart companies also realize that there's a lot of what's called discretionary effort, which means that as workers, we're really good about like figuring out as like humans, figuring out the least amount of work you need to do to get your job done. But there's this whole other like well of effort that people could be giving at these jobs called discretionary effort. And, and I think that oh, smart businesses will hopefully tap into that. All right. Because I got to let you guys go at some point. I, I kind of want to close out, but just real quick, I, I was looking for things that people can do in these environments um, if they find themselves in a toxic environment. You guys have already listed a couple of things that they're really good. Um, there is this professor, G. Richard Shell, who is the chair of the Wharton School of Legal Studies and Business Ethics. Um, and he wrote this book called The Conscience Code. And he has a lot of good advice in there, like leverage like-minded individuals, lead by example. And uh, But the one thing that he talked about that I thought was worth mentioning here was he, he said, if you're in a situation, you're in an entrenched negative culture, and it really can feel like an uphill battle, it can be really disorienting, um, particularly if it, you're new to this system. So he recommends what they do in combat operations. Like when, uh, com- when pilots are, are fighting and there's so much crazy stuff happening all around them, they have something called the OODA loop. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. O-O-D-A loop. And it, and it stands for observe, orient, decide, and act. And it's basically a tactic, which I took to mean basically like when you're in a weird situation, take a survey again, see what's going on, see what's going on with your body, see what's happening with this place before you make any rash decisions, take some time to think about what you're going to do. I mean, or I can walk off like Billy did, which makes sense. In certain well, no, jobs. you're just describing every every venue we walk into, every, like every time we walk on stage, that is and yeah. it's funny that it's coming from a combat thing <laughs> but that is what and i think it's also why me and my green beret friend get along so well it's like his was the consequences were more serious but the situation and the way it affected us was it affects us still is very similar and i know that sounds so silly but it is very like the way yeah because there's like these dangers that you learn to recognize what they are. And like some of my friends that drink or they love to go have me go out with them at bars and stuff because they, they call me like a, they're like, you're like a bar psychic. And I was like, no, I've just been in them performing and stuff for so long. Right. I recognize who's who, and they they all have players. And there's like, and then you start realizing like, that but that is what that orient you just look and yeah. you're like what is this what is this okay do i just get small and stay like here or do we need to leave this establishment right like those are right. those are the things i know how to or like this not somewhere you bring your kids or that, that kind of <laughs> stuff or you shouldn't say this word like all those things are i'll say i had I, I have a, you know, I'm, I'm now a psychiatrist and, you know, I've gone through it all and, and I have the privilege to be able to do this for myself. Um, but I have to say, I went from a five hour, a five day work week to a four day work week. And it is just 
freaking amazing. It is, you know, I, I, I work longer, uh, like be, I actually enjoy my job more. I, I, you know, I probably work the same number of hours, but having three days off per week, I get two days off, work a couple of days, have another day off, work a couple of days, have another day off. Like it, it's the best. Um, and, and I would say it's probably not going to come naturally because workplaces will get everything they can out of their workers. They work a commodity in a capitalist environment. We're just, you know, part of the equation of making money, but it, it does. I do think the world, I'm like, I don't, don't want to be Nostradamus on this one, but I think we're heading towards things like four day work weeks and like, it, it just, um, it's, it's a, it's a lovely thing to add is more break time. Tyler, yeah. can I ask you a question? I'm sorry, I was curious yeah. about this because I never thought about it this way. I always think about a four-day work week as you're working, for example, Monday through Thursday, and then you have Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. But you're not saying that. You're saying I work Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and and you find that break has made a my Monday is difference. awesome. My Monday is like a Friday. I hate it's Mondays. so good wow. because I know that I have Tuesday coming up where I can do whatever I want. So that and resets then, your whole trajectory. And then my, my Wednesday, rest. Thursday, Friday, I get a Monday, a Wednesday and a Friday all compressed into one, um, one three day thing. And, and it's, um, uh, it's, it's amazing. Um, the, the mentality that I have going into that is helpful. And, um, I have more energy, my, my work day, I haven't actually like as a physician, I bill for the work that I do. I haven't actually lost any money because I can see patients. I can see more patients for longer on the days that I work yeah. than how I'd kind of slow myself down on a five-day work week. I'd be like, oh no, I need an extra break here. Oh, now I'm going to take some time off here. Or, you know, this is, I'm going to book longer for my patients. I have more energy just having three days a week off. And yeah. it's a conscious decision I made four years ago when I, I started to look at the situation, like, why am I working so hard? I worked hard to get here, but why am I working so hard now? Um, and it has really improved my life. And I know how privileged that is. I, I know there's lots of people that couldn't afford not to work that time. But if it was, if the time was shifted and our day was eight to eight or eight to six, and you had one more day off, it makes a big difference. I'll, my, my, I'll, I'll insert this because my primary research interest is in suicidology and suicide. America has a tremendous Monday effect on suicide. You're about 15% more likely to die of suicide on a Monday than any other workday, any other weekday. Um, or, and or heart attack, deal, by matter. the way. And heart, and heart attack. attack. Yep. Just, yeah. Yes. Um, yes. And, and the, the, week, the, week, the Monday effect on suicide is probably responsible for, you know, um, you know thousands of suicides per year in America. Um, it's just... The, the, the gloom of starting another work weekend, it's just going to go on and on and on. And sometimes I think it's also the weekend didn't go as well as you wanted. And, you know, it's kind of disappointing, but the Monday effect is huge in healthcare. Hmm. All right. Well, on that note, which is good or bad, I don't even fucking know. We should close out because I've kept you guys for a long time. I'll, I'll and... make it funny. Yeah, please. Thank you. Um, could you? <laughs> I do. Monday's my rest day. Like when I do like like for exercise and things like that, even if I have to work, like I found that if I rest on Monday, it makes Mondays me like, fuck yeah, man, I don't have to like <laughs> yeah. even if I have to do work, like I don't have to work out and stuff. Like it, it's like I do think that there's like a trick to that because of society has built that Monday into being just like a yeah. dredge. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I did that, it was like my wife said something she's like why are you so happy i was like i don't have to do shit today i'm pretty happy about it. <laughs> what's wrong with you <laughs> the per- yeah. it's a life it's a 
vacation from yourself. It, yeah, awesome. it was like, I don't have to take care of this today. I'm so excited. Fantastic. All right. Uh, let's get some plugs in. Uh, you guys are all fantastic. I really enjoyed having each and every one of you guys. Uh, Tyler, where can people find you? Pretty much uh, on Twitter, Tyler Black 32 named after the best basketball player in the universe. Um, Steph Curry. No, no, Magic Johnson. Oh, um, and um, uh, uh, that's pretty much it. I'm you know, I, I will say um, it's the um, <laughs> sorry. It's a thing. It's an ongoing thing. <laughs> we he's a Lakers um, fan. I'm a Warriors fan, so we have. Um, to I will say it. for everybody um, heading into the holiday in a fifth wave of pandemic. Um, I know it sucks. I know it's really hard. I know this is awful, but if there's one plug, try to restrict on all of the gatherings right now. This is not the time to do it. You will have so many more gatherings with the people you love if we don't have what's about to happen with Omicron. So please take a break, everybody. Stay home, low-key Christmas, please, everybody. Yeah, yeah. That's good advice that no one will follow. Nope, I know. Um, Stephanie, I was going to say, I was like, I'm not going anywhere, but yeah, <laughs> we're not necessarily the problem. <laughs> uh, Stephanie, where can people find you? Tell us about the podcast as well, please. Um, so <clears throat> you can find me as I've connected with these wonderful people on Twitter at Steph Jansen. Um, I started a podcast in 2020 out of sheer frustration. Um, it's called This Is What I'm Saying because I was frustrated with the disinformation around COVID, vaccines, the pandemic, and politics. And I am now a, um, I'm actually creating most of my content on Fireside, which is www.firesidechat.com, um, where I talk to people like Kave, Tyler, who I've connected to. I would love to have a conversation with you. And now Billy Wayne, you're my new favorite person. I'd love to have you too, my friend. Anytime. Um, I want to piggyback real quickly off of what Tyler said, because I am currently involved in some nationwide organizations around this pandemic. And I would just like to make a plug for, I know y'all are tired and we're tired too. And without shaming or blaming, here's what I'm going to say. If you're vaccinated, if you're unvaccinated, that's not what I want to talk to you about. But if you chose not to get vaccinated, just do us a favor. And if you're going to see family, you're going to gather, just do us a favor. I promise you from the bottom of my heart, if you wear a mask, it's going to help significantly. And even if you don't believe us, it's a really easy thing to do because we actually want y'all to be alive. We want you to have happy lives, healthy lives. We want you to have lots of years left with your friends and family. I promise you that's what we want. And that's why we're doing it. So we want you to have a healthy and happy holiday season and just please take extra care so we can have more of those next year and years after. And Kave, thank you for having me. Of course. Um, Billy Wayne Davis, honestly i'm telling the truth I, I think you are one of my favorite comedians i think you're super funny you're uh live at third man record that that yeah. album that's a really really hilarious album i i highly recommend everybody download it uh get it and you don't and, have to pay for it you can steal it uh, just as long as you listen to it i don't care just listen i didn't pay for it actually. again you're really bad at this whole yeah being a comedian I it's the light listen we don't make a goddamn you. dime from any of that i mean if it's yeah i mean we make a dime how about that we will make a dime <laughs> from that record i don't want to lie to you we will make a dime from it but it is well these fat cat comedians with their dimes look at it them. is yeah well, it it is. Is, where can people find you, man? Where people where can people hear more of your stuff? I just the easiest answer because there's so much stuff now is just Google Billy Wayne Davis comedian. And I'm probably on 
one of the things that you <laughs> choose to use if that might because mm-hmm. um and yeah it's i was i'm briefly in borat too that's probably like my favorite thing to say right now um oh, like nice. they were nice enough like there's like i was i'm pure set up in some of the stuff there but they were nice enough to throw me in the movie to do the thing so that was nice but that's that's great that's that awesome. was and uh, and you know what any of working with Sasha Baron Cohen was not there's no toxic workplace at all and you would think that but it was ideal it was probably the best jo- it is the best job I've ever had as uh, that's for sure be. so that's good to hear yeah. it's nice when people like that you respect in that way actually turn out to not be bastards that's really great it was that i mean one of my heroes and i don't do what he does but what he does is you know it's Heroic. it's right it just hits me in the right spot every oh, even yeah. before i knew him or met him and then to find out that he's like above and beyond the kind of human you wanted like that well, I mean, you guys are doctors. You were talking about the vagina guy. Yeah, we see <laughs> you know what I mean? Guys. Like, yeah, in sure. Hollywood's the same way. It's like, these are professional actors. So then you meet them, you're like, oh, you do a good job acting because you're a bad person. Like, <laughs> <laughs> totally. Wild. Yeah. All right. Uh, so check out his website also at bwdtour.com. Um, and you can see some of his stand-up bits there. And you can see when he's playing all that sort of stuff. Um it really is a blast having all of you guys on at the same time. That was really fun. Thank you guys so much. Uh, if you haven't already, please rate and review our show at iTunes. Follow us at Twitter at the House of Pod if you haven't, but if you're listening, probably already do. Um, thank you to Nadine for help with production, uh, and uh, stay tuned for more episodes coming up. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult a physician or other qualified health care provider for your specific health care needs or concerns. The opinions expressed on this podcast do not represent the opinions of our employees. Details in the podcast have been changed so that patient identification is not possible. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
HelloFresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.